Hello there, and welcome to my show, The Parish Passages Podcast, where you will find a criteria of all things about creativity. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Well, hello there, and welcome back to The Parish Passages Podcast. As always, I am your one-woman show on the go, your host, Samantha Parrish. So, fan fictions. There's no easy way to have to make that a segue, but the name alone just says a lot. Fan fictions have grown so much into today that I it, it still gets to me how far we've come from being like having this shameful secret of oh I ship this couple and I want to see what someone else has created to see someone's raw vulnerable feelings like fan fictions they were the riskiest thing as someone could see too deep into what you're into they always say like if you want to get to know someone you watch them drunk ah uh-uh, ah read their fan fictions everything is said about them i have four words for you that can best describe that 50 shades of gray 50 shades of gray is entirely made from a twilight Fan fiction, just replacing the names. I'm still surprised that series worked. I've read snippets of it. It's dumb as hell. And it's not too hard to see that Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele, excuse me, I almost tripped over my own tongue, have almost the same qualities of Edward Cullen and Bella Swan. Like, to a T. Like, it's kind of scary. But at the same time, E.L. James knew that she had something going that could be easily used in the realm of rich playboys and just took out the whole vampire characters. Like, okay, well, it worked for her. We got three weird books and three weird movies out of it. So in a way, I represent her because she was able to normalize fan fictions. Years ago, like, it was the most shameful thing if you revealed you wrote fan fictions. I remember... When I was growing up, at the times I saw fan fictions mentioned in TV shows or even some movies, that it wasn't always fair and respectful. Fan fictions were seen as like the butt of the joke for a stereotype that that means someone is awkward or they're like a freak in the sheets. And I never really liked that that was such a very weird way to judge someone. Yes, a very raw part of their imagination is exposed but still it's like okay we all have a little something going on or we have a certain preferred romantic method or some things we wish to happen with some certain tv shows that's really what it comes down to for the real definition of fan fiction but back then it was just oh that's just nerd stuff like not even the breakfast club stereotyped that hard as opposed to E.L. James's story, where she switched the names out and reworked a hell of a lot of the plot out to work to a original story, even if it was Twilight-inspired. The next thing I'm talking about was inspired by Harry Potter, and oh boy, just like its namesake, it is now immortal. If many people in the show are familiar with the fanfiction that felt like a prank but was so anonymous that it baffled the internet. Back in like the realm of like 2004, 5-ish, I believe, don't quote me on it, 
I know that it had been some odd amounts of years ago, there's a fan fiction that had been talked about by people I knew at school. And also, it started to make articles on the internet about a notorious bad Harry Potter fan fiction called My Immortal, where a majority of the plot was taken different places. I think Draco was, like, bisexual. I think uh, there was, like, some girl who was, like, in love with Draco. So it was one of those fan fictions where someone had made, like, a character for that universe, but, oh, Lord, the writing was so bad and baffling that it made people wonder, is it written bad on purpose? At some points, you see where there's, like, some good points in writing. That's how you can tell, like, if someone's learning, where you have that one good point. Like, okay, that's potential. But because everything was bad, it had people going, no, 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 no. There is no way someone is that bad at writing. No way. And people did some digging into the identity of the author behind My Immortal. The bio is also equally written bad, but it also looks like it was written on purpose to be bad. Everything was in, like, the lingo of the millennial talk, like, oh, LOL, uh, IDK. And some people do speak in shorthand of this day, but it doesn't happen forever their sentence, but also some things were weird saying, I'm like, a goth girl and stuff. Like, that kind of tone, like, okay, all right, this is still weird. This is still strange. To this day, it is a mystery. No one knows the identity, but this fan fiction has been reiterated at conventions and it lives on an infamy. That is pretty damn powerful that something was also so weird that it becomes like one of those movies you watch that doesn't have a great sense of plot, but you'll be damned if it doesn't entertain you. That's my immortal. I found fan fictions when I was, let's see here, I think when I want to say 11 years old. It was before I started middle school. That was a great time. That was such a giant leap to go from fifth grade year, I was still playing with Barbie dolls, and then going into, okay, I want to find my fan fiction. Such a giant leap. Oh my god. And I think I was looking up some characters back when my mom gave me like my first computer, and I was just like, going through, like, looking up my favorite characters, and I happened to find, like, a website that said something like a Sasuke Uchiha story, and I'm just like, okay. And so, one thing led to another, and I found myself on a website called Quizilla.com, and I am sure that is going to be a major memory core that just got unlocked for maybe a good portion of my listeners, but Quizilla was the cream of the crop back in the day when it came to fan fictions. That was the library of anything. You could find the smuttiest fan fiction, which were called Lemons back in the day. So that was my indicator that if I was going to be read some spicy, I'm like, okay, all right. I know I'm getting into, like, it was nice how it was kind of coded in a way that we knew what some of the things were talking about. Um, if they were love stories or just regular stories, it was so interesting to see the imagination that people poured into a recreation of the show they love or to add on to it or to just have two characters come together. Like, it was so interesting to see what people came up with. Now that I see that fan fiction is being normalized, it is such a strange feeling to know how long fan fiction has been around to know that I got to see that change 
And I still read fan fictions to this day. I, I am not ashamed to say that. I've been reading them since I was, let's see here, like 11 years old. I started writing as well when I was 11 and I kept doing it until I was, I think I want to say 14 years, yeah, 14 years old. The last attempt I made was 16 and that just didn't last long. I got so spoiled to just go ahead and look up what someone else could create for me and be like, is it close to my imagination? Such a narcissistic thing to say, I know. But I'm like, I've done my time. I've done everything. I want to see other people's stuff. It was just, <laughs> I lived through their imaginations and that was good enough for me. I don't mind saying that fan fiction saved my life. Back when I was in middle school, I needed to have some kind of an outlet because the depress the depresso espresso like tapped me on the shoulder hard when I was twelve, and looking back at my mental health, like the writing was in the wall that something was going to happen, and having something that could help me get all of my feelings out or just get away for a little while, that was the best thing that happened. I love the fact that I wrote for hours and hours and hours, and my friends got to read my fan fiction. So technically, looking back at that moment. My friends have already read books for me before I would actually go on to publish a book. That is very funny to have to re reflect upon. But oh lord, those fan fictions, they were, they were interesting. I, I don't mind telling you, I had um, a very unique imagination back then. Most of the fan fictions I wrote, I was just going off of what I knew. Half the time, I would like introduce other characters and just kind of claim them. It was like such a shitty copyright thing that no one ever got caught for because it was never published work. It was just purely imagination, creative writing, if I must say. So half the time, whenever I would go out and read other fan fictions and I'll see the parentheses of someone saying, oh, they look like these characters from XYZ series, but please go with it. And I'm like, I got you. I also had a lack of imagination to think of other characters that I'm already working so hard on creating this one to fit into this universe. Like, we got to get out of jail free card. And no one ever questioned the copyright. Everyone that I saw commenting on fan fictions never once said, hey, you can't take those characters. They belong to someone else. Like, no shit, we got to have some fun around here, okay? But it'd be nice to know what it would look like. And this person gave us their imagination, and that's just great. I'm so glad that I got to exist in that age where, like, everything was thrown, including the kitchen sink, and everyone is wet with it. Nowadays, I don't know if you could get away with that, unfortunately. Maybe you could. Maybe you can't. I don't really know how the new politics of it works, because the internet has gotten a little bit meaner since I was a kid. And, oh, my lord. Oh, God. I remember the stacks of spirals that I made with all of the fan fictions. And the first one I ever wrote a fan fiction for was Yu Yu Hakusho. I, I can't believe I'm talking about this, man. But I wrote a fan fiction that I wrote a character that was the sister to the character Kurama. I was always so fascinated about like this character and being like, oh man, I want to be like if he had a sister. Everyone else has a sister, and I think he would be great with a sister. And so I created a character. Um, her name kind of bounced around. I kind of used any names that I liked at that moment, because it's kind of what you did. If you hung on to a name, like it's like, okay, well that works. And I wrote what was it? A hundred and hundred and 
nine chapters, 111. I know I definitely, like, hit almost the same mark of episodes. Like, it was kind of impressive how much I wrote to make this series. And I covered, like, every single arc that I could, except for... I'm getting into some anime detail, but there's a third arc of the show called the Sensui arc, and I skipped that one completely. I'm like, I don't know. I'm getting tired of this story. I want to wrap up. Like, I became this, like, little mini kitty Spielberg, like, I'm getting tired. Let's wrap it up, fellas. My creative juices are leaving. <laughs> and I was so proud of that series. I was so very proud of it. And I wrote that, like, lightning speed uh, within, like, probably some months, I, I want to say. And I moved on to making another reversion of that. So I remade my own fan fiction. Ironic, isn't it? That I remade my fan fiction just like how I remade my first book. So the fucking writing was on the wall the entire time. Oh my God. So, wow. I never noticed that until now. This is, this is going on a memory lane. I just didn't expect. This is interesting. But to finish off my history of my fan fiction career, after I did those two very interesting Yu Yu Hakusho fan fictions, I moved on to Naruto, which became my second favorite anime of my life. So naturally, of course, that was going to be the next target for fan fiction. But there has been a question that's come up recently. Is, is there ever going to be a class about fan fictions? Because at some point, fan fictions are going to make their way into a part of the history books that, oh, the day of the age and the millennials, fan fictions were often made like that's a terrifying and beautiful thing, knowing fan fiction is going to be the definition in someone's school one day. The very thing that was shamed upon, for me, shamed upon was like the secret shame if you ever carried your books with you, knowing no one can ever know about this. Only few eyes of non-judgment will see these secrets that I will share. But even in media, that was the indicator for, for fright. Because there were characters that had their fan fiction stolen. Very famously, there's the episode of um, Bob's Burgers where Tina's friend fiction gets stolen. Uh, and her thoughts are revealed to everybody. I think she also was the one that wrote and everyone's like, okay, yeah, you're weird, Tina. Something we didn't know. But at that point, there was a terror knowing your secrets will be shared. That people are going to know how you feel. Like what you're, if you're looking a little uh soft on the outside people know your true inner thoughts like no one can ever unsee that or unhear that it is a terrifying thing and knowing that fan fictions is sort of like that first taste of it that once you put yourself out there people are going to remember like what it is that you're into they'll know what kind of imagination you have like i mentioned earlier with el james making Fifty Shades of Grey, well, her mind's definitely going in the downstairs lane and created like this erotic book that just got tweaked in a way that made it passable uh, outside of her original work with it as Twilight fan fiction. But still, you never know. And I, uh, around the time that I got Inglorious Inc. published the first time, I was on the show All Things Writing with the host Brian Nowak. He is a fantastic host, fantastic writer. I believe recently he just got nominated for an award in my state. So he's he's getting Virginia on the map, which I appreciate him for that. And he had asked me uh, 
what was one of my earliest uh, works of, of writing and how long I've been doing it. And naturally, I had to mention fan fictions without any hesitation that it is one of the writing passages that I had that eventually led to me being a published author. Like, I can't forget my roots. I feel like it's a rite of passage for most uh, writers that want to start out somewhere, that they start with the very things that they love to grow on to another story to see how they can make their own. Now, the last part I said, I did not go into detail. I cut myself off at rite of passage, but that is really what it comes down to. That's why I said it with no shame, knowing that's exactly what it was for me. And I don't regret all the times that I wrote these things that I don't feel like embarrassed about. I will admit, though, I could not bring myself to read it. I just love to know, like, my pride over it. I could not actually, like, revisit the story because I already knew it, like, what I put in there. And I want to just keep it like that. And so with those fan fiction spirals, I did tear out the sheets and I did toss them in the trash. And I didn't feel bad about that, to be honest. There are some people that want to keep their works, but it's a part of my life that I already lived through. I take the fact that I had a good time writing them, but I didn't have to keep them. They were a good part of my life that helped me through the the very bad depression stages I went through. But I also knew where I was at that point of my life. And I don't need to see that. I reflect a lot of my writing. I still do, to be honest. I made an episode recently about how many of the things I went through paralleled with an Inglorious Inc. And I did put that in there if I felt like it needed to be vocalized. And those fan fictions was just a very depressed young teenager that just wanted to get some peace. And I just kind of put my head up in the air. I felt the pages rip through my hands. I tossed them in the trash and got into the dumpster, never looked back. I have not felt any remorse for what I did to get rid of what was essentially like my first body of work. It was just creative writing. But I'm always going to remember like where I was and how I was feeling. And I loved like that feeling. And it still was so powerful enough that years later, when I got depressed again and wanted to start writing, I'm like, hey, I remember what it did for me. I may not have been in a good place, but I was actively doing something that was expressive. And I just poured into my first book, which wasn't Inglorious Inc., by the way. I'm saving that for another episode. And I just kept going and going and going. But I still hit some roadblocks that I felt the same fan fiction writing style when I would share the pieces of my first story with my friends. And they would say, hey, that's a that's another TV show character. That's like a familiar name. You probably can't use that. And I'm like, OK, yeah, it was passable when I was like 14. Copyright meant nothing. But nowadays, yeah, if it's a real body of work, like, oh, yeah, I got to make sure everything's good there. Like I said, fan fictions, that was like that get, get a jail free card that you could write something that bordered the value of copyright and it was perfectly okay. I still do read fan fictions every day. I used a majority of fan fictions to help me out with my writing just to see like how someone handled a plot point where they took two major characters and had them interact into a situation that was completely believable and I'm like, that's what I gotta do. I gotta make sure that I can put two characters that you know very well through a whole situation that it seems believable. But the biggest thing that helped me out as an author were the Tumblr prompts 
for fan fictions. I don't know if anyone's familiar with this, but there is a, a prompt where someone creates like an insertion of yourself with Pietro Maximoff from Avengers or, or Steve Rogers or Hawkeye. And it just says, they find you upset. What do they do? And wrote like an entire description of like, um, Wanda Maximoff, like comforting the character that is basically the self-insertion of yourself. Uh, same thing for Pietro saying something like, oh, he hurt you, didn't he? Well, I'm gonna go beat him up. Like very much in the flavor and character of Pietro Maximoff. Like if you can make it believable that someone who doesn't exist or just like that prompt where it's a self-insertion of yourself existing with a character, that's good writing. And that helped me out a lot to ask myself, okay, well, how would Jules Wilkinson handle this situation? Or how would Cassie Cole handle this situation? What would Lou Vier do? What would Lance do? What would, what would Bullet do? And it really helped me create a concrete identity for these characters. Fan fictions did that for me. We all have a certain way that like helps us get through a roadblock and all of my love of fan fictions still help me despite never writing another one again and still living vicariously through other writers that something helped me and my identity to publish my own works to get something else out there a very unique piece i'm still shocked to see like three books on the shelf no excuse me four books i forgot i read a prequel <laughs> four books on the shelf that are entirely original material and I remember back in the day when I just used to write fan fictions, I still get myself where I'm like, I went from writing fan fictions to making published works of a fiction. It's a cool feeling. It's a really cool feeling. And thank you for tuning in to this episode, the Paris Passages podcast. This was a very interesting episode. I don't think I've done like a proper topic in quite some time. This was lovely to do and talk about the history. And I appreciate everyone that's taken the time out of their day to listen to these episodes. It means so much to me. And as I promised in the last episode, I did that I will be presenting a two-parter episode about my recent release of the prequel to my first book, Inglorious Sink. I am going to wait till about mm, like early November or mid-November. That's a good ballpark guess to give enough people some time to get their hands on a copy of the prequel or make their way towards the first part of the American Dream Scheme saga. Uh, but I will definitely give some heads up when that episode is on the way. But until then, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I really enjoyed covering a topic. I'd, I'd like to do more topics in the future. But if you'd like to catch up with me in between uploads, you can find me on my Instagram that is also the same title of the show, at Paris Passages. If you want to see any book previews, you can find me on my TikTok at The Mystical Space Witch. And as always, you can find all the books for Inglorious Inc. on Amazon, and it is in the description. Well, thank you so much for being here. Take care. Stay amazing. Keep creating. This is your host, signing off. Bye-bye!